In this edition of Low Carb Paleo Show, we interview Dr. Shauna Young. Now, Shauna is a naturopath, and that means that she helps people get well by using only natural processes. One area where she has had remarkable success is in treating people with autism. I say people because it's something that can affect people from any age, although most of the time we are used to talking about autistic children. In fact, the success stories that Shauna relates in this program are just so heart-touching that I have to confess that if you were watching the video, you would see tears in my eyes because they really do touch your heart. The sad and annoying part of this whole story is that the large organisations that rake in not just millions but even billions every year for the treatment of autism are trying to quash the success that Shauna has had. It seems they're more mindful of their income than they are of the well-being of people with autism. This is a long interview, it's an hour and three quarters long, but I do urge you to listen to it, maybe not all at once, but really do listen to it, because the information that Shauna presents isn't applicable just for people with autism, it's for people with many different types of health problems. And even if they don't relate to you, we are sure that they will relate to somebody you know, and just by passing on this information, you could be helping change someone's life. So let's join Alan and Shauna in the studio now and find out more about the remarkable things that she has accomplished. Good morning, Dr. Shauna, and thank you for being on the Local Paleo Show today. My pleasure. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you, Anna. Wonderful. Good. Nice <laughs> to see you. Are you still alive? Oh, yes. I, I sort yes. of uh, managed to do that most mornings. Waking up alive is always a good start to the day. That's okay. what my mom always says. I'm a, a, awake and able to take nourishment. So here you go. <laughs> good. Dr. Shana, I was at the Paleo FX 2014 in Austin, and I was impressed by the care you show for your patients in your presentation. Hope is on your plate. But I'd like to get back to that in a moment. First, sure. um, can you give us a little background about yourself and your you know, how you got into this business? Oh, into being a naturopath? Well, first of all, I want to be clear, there's different kinds of naturopaths, and what I am is called a traditional naturopath, which means that I do not work with any invasive procedures, no, you know, medicines, not even x-rays or, or anything, not even testing procedures that would be considered invasive. So I'm a very traditional naturopath. That is called, when I got my degree originally, that was called a naturopathic doctor. Now they're calling it a certified traditional naturopath. They keep trying to change the face of what a naturopath path is and does. So I have to keep changing my title, which is getting a bit expensive on printing the business cards, but oh well. Um, so I originally got into natural medicine. I was very, very interested in it since the late, uh, or about the mid-80s. I'm from Los Angeles originally, and uh, I was in the film business at the time, and when the AIDS epidemic started, and unless you were there, it's hard to imagine what it was like. It, it was just, it was terrifying. Everybody was sick, and nobody knew why, and it, it was just, um, it was incredible. And I started working with a um, Chinese doctor who was a natural doctor to try and see if there was anything that could be done to help, you know, all of these people. And he said something all those years ago, back in 1982, that really stuck in my head. And I asked him if he knew anything about this, you know, this HIV virus and all that. And he said, you know, white people are so stupid, they'll die of anything. <laughs> 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 I said, all right. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, it's a virus. He said, a virus is a virus is a virus. 
you use antivirals on viruses and viruses go away, period. And he said they're trying to like isolate a gene and, you know, do this study and all this stuff. And he said, just throw any virals at it and just be done, you know. And that I thought, oh, all right, yeah, certainly cutting to the chase, isn't it? So um, I started studying um, natural medicine uh, on my own as much as I could. And I studied all different types, Chinese medicine, um, Ayurvedics, uh, Native American medicine, um, all kinds of things like that. And then uh, I was living in, um, many years later, I was living in Nashville and got Lyme's disease. And um, I had never had a vaccination or an antibiotic or anything like that in my entire life. And I didn't want to start then. So I went, okay, a bacteria is a bacteria is a bacteria. Kill it with antibacterials. So I started using antibacterials and at the same time doing a liver cleanse, lymph cleanse, bowel cleanse. And three months later, you know, no more Lyme's disease. So um, I thought, you know, people might be interested in this. And I actually uh, did some research and went back to school. Um, did a lot of research on what school I would want to go to and decided to go to one that was very, very traditional because that's me. I'm, I'm just not, I just, I think invasive medicine is necessary and at some point needed to be done by some people, but I don't want that to be me. Mm. So, <laughs> so I just became a traditional naturopath. Um, I chose Colorado to open my practice uh, because Colorado was what they called a right of freedom state at the time when uh, natural medicine was protected under the laws. Um, so I moved to Colorado, started um, a small practice, starting about 600 square feet, um, hung my little shingle out and hoped, you know, beyond hope that people would start coming in, and they did. Um, I had a, a very, very sick lady come in less than a month, and I started into practice, and she was told she had three to six weeks to live, and three, mo three months later when she walked back into church, I had 52 new clients the next day. <laughs> 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 but they were all very sick, unfortunately. Um, but that was how I started my practice. Um, I expanded it. And then um, now I'm, I, uh, I have been in practice for uh, about 13 years now. Great. I've noticed that you, you keep on saying traditional naturopath. Is there a yes. difference? Yes, the, there's two different types of naturopaths right now, and it mostly came down to um, insurance. Um, there is what is called a traditional naturopath, which is me, and like I said, I just use natural substances, mostly food and water, quite frankly. Um, I'm not even a great huge supplement uh, provider, although I do, you know, certainly do that. Um, what happened is, uh, is um, there's a group of people that call themselves naturopathic physicians and they wanted to be able to take insurance and be primary care physicians. So they do surgical, minor surgical rotations, they take x-rays, they do invasive testing, they prescribe um, antibiotics, antidepressants, you know, various drugs and that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know how they can call themselves a naturopath when they, when they prescribe drugs, quite frankly, but, um, but that's what they're doing. And right. they have a lot, lot more money than we do and a, a much bigger lobby than we do. And, um, and they want to get rid of the traditional naturopaths because that, it represents too much uh, choice you know, for people. So they figure if they can outlaw us, then they can get our clients. And in, like just in Colorado, there is about 17,000 traditional naturopaths. Um, and there's probably less than 200 of the naturopathic physicians. So you've got but, a minority that is trying to dictate to the majority. Again. Correct. Yeah. Again, so right. <laughs> so they're trying to take advantage of both sides of the equation, the naturopath and the, uh, uh, the Western medicine type of... The, uh, the allopathic care with the naturopathic. Right. This is very much like there is a big um, 
group out there that is talking about, you know, their work with cancer and how natural they are. And their idea of natural, because I've talked to these people many, many times, is to give somebody a little bit of vitamin C with their chemo. <laughs> um, that, that does not present natural medicine to me. No. Um, no. I think that people should be able to have a clear choice. I, I am very scientific in what I do. Um, I'm very much of a scientist and a, and a meticulous person with this. I, I have a PhD in natural sciences as well. Um, but if somebody like wants to go to somebody that wears a grass skirt and waves snakes over their head, then they should have the right to do that. You know, the government should not be dictating to you that, you know, who you have to see. And yeah. what, the nat what the naturopathic physicians are trying to do is they're trying to say, well, look, we're almost like real MDs, you know, and so you can send people to us. The big pharma and the drug industry will not cancel out these people because they do prescribe drugs. We mm, don't. Right. So right. I mean, my, my question is, if they're so close to um, modern medicine practice, what's the point of them being there? Um, they are, like I said, it mostly fills an insurance gap, and a lot of people are not quite comfortable enough to say that they want to do all natural medicine, so it makes them comfortable to think that these people are part allopathic and part naturopathic. Mm -hmm. But as I pointed out in my book, um, the things that you most need naturopathic medicine for they, they're started to call it complementary medicine, which means that it's mixing allopath with naturopath. If you take something like cancer or something like that, the two cancel each other out. They're not right. complementary. No. Everything that a naturopath would do for cancer <coughs> would be involving improving a person's immune system. And chemo and radiation are designed to destroy the immune system. Mm. So yeah. if you try and use the two together, they, they are not compatible. So... Um, they, they are trying to say that they are a mix and like I said mostly what they're trying to do is make it so that they can accept uh, insurance yeah. yeah so it's all about the money then basically and that on that side of the equation yeah. is, is those things mark yeah <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately yeah you know. well I understand that recently Corrado passed a new law that makes your life uh, difficult if, if not <laughs> miserable can you tell us about it yeah um we had a new house, but we just it changed over our Congress in uh, January, and boy, did, was that a game changer. Um, there were immediate all these new bills, and they passed one in particular, uh, in my case, that <laughs> ironically is called the Naturopathic Protection Act, which, which um, you know, I think that if people in Congress actually read the bills, that it would probably make a difference of what they would pass, you know, but something comes across their desk, and it's called the Naturopathic Protection Act, and, and they go, oh, that, you know, protect that sounds good you know and they sign it without knowing what's in it um right. which is a, b a big problem um yeah. i think we need to start calling bills you know like the the uh, puppy and kitten protection act or something you know because people just sign it without reading it but what <laughs> um but what this one did for me was they sure they they're protecting my right to practice as long as i don't actually speak to my client um, if we want to sit and play a nice hand of pinochle and they want to pay me money for that thing, cool. But otherwise, right. um, I'm, not allowed, I'm not allowed to diagnose anything. And that means to the point that there was a naturopath in Minnesota who got in trouble because um, a guy said that his back hurt and she re recommended that he go to a chiropractor, that she felt he might have a disc problem. And they tried to shut her down for diagnosing a back problem. Right, right. Um, well, if, if a person comes in and sneezes and I say, wow, that sounds like you might have a cold, then I could be in trouble for diagnosing. So that's how tight that rule is. Um, so diagnosing, no diagnosing. No, I used to be able to talk to people about their drugs in terms of 
let's say a person is taking blood pressure medi medication and their blood pressure is extremely low, then I could say to them, you need to go call your doctor and talk about your blood pressure medication. Okay, that's right. what I used to do. I could right. never recommend that anybody went off drugs, but I, I could recommend they talk to their doctor. I am no longer allowed to do that. I am not right. allowed to question the doctor whatsoever. Um, we're not allowed to work with cancer, which that is what most naturopaths do, um, because the um, traditional cancer treatments of chemo and radiation don't work, and they're very uncomfortable, and a lot of people try to turn to natural medicine for that. Mm. So that cancels out about between 30 and 50 percent of most naturopaths' practices. But what they did in particular to me that became intolerable, because this has been going on over the years, um, that they've changed all these law, rules and regulations. But what they did to me is they said that I can no longer see any children at all under the age of two years of age at all. I can't even talk to their mothers. And any children between two and eight they have to be watched over by a pediatrician. And I have to hand out vaccine regulations and suggest that they do their vaccines. Now, this is like somebody that works at Alcoholics Anonymous being told that they have to tell other people that it's okay to take a drink once in a while. You know, telling people to take vaccines is so ethically against what I am, you know, that they realized right. that none of us could actually do it. Mm. So instead of taking us out of practice, which, see, they tried to do that in another state, and they just outlawed naturopathic medicine, but then people went, no, no, you can't do that. They went too far, and so naturopathic medicine is back in that state. So what they're telling people now is that they are giving us the right to practice as long as we stay within these confines. Now, the group that I told you about, the naturopathic physicians, they're the ones that are trying to get us all shut down. So another lovely caveat on this House Bill 1111 in Colorado is that I, my work has to be subjected to a group of them, mm -hmm. a, a board that is, consists entirely of these naturopathic physicians that are trying to put me out of business in the first place. And I've spent my work to them. And if they right. find anything wrong with it or anything I might have misspoke, I could be subject to jail time. So that seems to be very unfair to my mind. It's yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. And it's just yeah. taking more and more choice away from people. I have 6,500 clients, you guys. I've been in practice 13 years. I have clients from all 50 states and 13 foreign countries mm. that have come to little Durango to see me. And their right has been taken away. And uh, with all of the children that I work with that are on the autism spectrum and all of that, you can't imagine how up in arms their mothers are that all, I all of a sudden cannot even speak to them. Yeah, and right. that, that's something right. I'd, I'd like to pick up there just to ask a question. So you don't have the same freedom to talk to somebody because you're a naturopathic uh, practitioner that I have. I can go and talk to somebody and say, oh, it sounds like you've got a cold, it sounds like you've hurt your back or whatever, but you can't. Exactly, and you can't imagine how much that burns me up. It's like there's some days I'm on Facebook uh, this this uh, this morning, for example, and I was in a uh, looking at a group, you know, on Facebook, and all of these people who have no background whatsoever are giving out all this medical advice. Mm. You know, oh well, you should be taking, you know, this, or you should be taking that, or you should be doing this, or you should be doing that. And I'm a doctor, and I can't say it. Yeah, and that that, uh, that to my mind is total total yeah. lunacy. It is. Right. Yeah, it I is. have another word for it, but I won't say it. It's a, <laughs> You're it's just a too polite. Show. You're just too it's polite. A, it's a family show, right? Um, 
Maybe there's a way around. If if you can speak to your patient, maybe you can use sign language. <laughs> I, you know what I was doing the the last time. I actually have a, a client, and we were joking around, which tells you what a good sense of humor she has about Lyme's disease. And I was actually doing it in interpretive dance. So. <laughs> so that's that's why they call you a bushwoman. That's right. That's right. But we were doing, you know, actually like charades, joking around about that, you know. Right. And it just because it's it has been when I started, you know, it was okay. You can't you can't you know do this. You can't do that. So I was like, fine. I won't tell anybody I can cure them. I won't do anything like that. Great. So I go into practice and do my thing, and then they come back and they go, well, now you can't tell anybody to go off any kind of medication or cut back any medication. I'm like, okay, I won't do that. And then they come in and they say, well, you can't diagnose anybody. And I'm like, all right, hold up. Um, people are going to come to me from another state or another country, and I can't tell them what my opinion is of what's wrong with them. And they're like, yep, as long as you can do that, you can stay in practice. And I thought, great, that's going to last a week. You mm. know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell people what that is. But that actually went in like eight, nine years ago, and I, and I still remain in practice. You, I have... The people that come to me, I just have to tell you, they are the most wonderful people because I say, well, there's this and you're having pain and it's because of a microbe. And they're like, okay, whatever, just fix it. You know what I mean? They, it, I mean, I cannot believe the faith that people have had. Mm. All of my clients are all referral. I don't even have right. like phone book ads. I don't have anything like that. They're all by referral. And it was the strength of the referral from their friend or their relative or whatever that had them come in. But I have, I have told people for years that I have been practicing with both hands tied behind my back, but now they've stuck a gag in my mouth. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Right, right. yeah. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about your book, your first book, uh, If Naturopaths Are Quarks, Then I Guess I Am a Duck. Uh, I love the title. And Thank also, you. I, uh, you know, all throughout the book, I love your your balance between dark sense of humor and your the fact that you obviously care for your patients. So, uh, Dr. Shona, why did you write the book? Because I kept hearing the same thing over and over and over again from people. I was actually was talking to, I was getting my haircut one time, I was talking to a 35-year-old hairdresser. She said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a naturopathic doctor. And she went, oh, uh, what is that again? And they had no idea, she had no idea what it was that I even would do. Um, I heard, I have heard thousands of times, literally, oh, I wish that I knew there was something called a naturopath before I got my gallbladder out. Yeah. I wish I knew there was a naturopath before I did chemo. I wish that I knew there was naturopaths before I went on blood pressure medication. Um, you know, I, I wish that I knew there were naturopaths when my child, you know, my child, you know, was having all these issues. And so I realized that there was an enormous amount of people out there who are actually quite educated, people that are trying to educate themselves and be healthy and do better things for themselves that have no idea that we're even out here. And so I, I started putting a book together and all the advice that I had with the book was that it needed to be really professional and it needed to be really, you know, all that. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My, my own sense, I think that one of the reasons that my clients like me and the reason they've been so loyal um, is because I do have a sense of humor and I have always felt that I would rather have somebody understand what I say than try and force it down their throat. So right. what, what the book is and the, and the reviews on the book have been in, it, unbelievable of people really understanding what I was trying to do, which is I'm giving out a lot of, lot of, lot of information, a lot of great information, but I'm giving it out in a way that's fun. Hmm. 
Right. And I, I got called, I've been called a quack by a million people. And so I finally decided to claim it and just instead of, you know, fighting against it, I'm just, I'm claiming it because if I'm different than an allopathic doctor and all that, great. I'm, I'm, you know, woohoo, I'm happy about that. <laughs> right. You know, right, right. so, so I, at the end of the book, I, I said it was qualified and caring keepers of life, which that's how I'm claiming quack. Right, right. <laughs> I also get the feeling that uh, your client loves you because you don't bullshit them. I don't. I'm straight yeah. with these people. Um, I love them and they know it. Um, yeah. But I've yelled at them. I've made grown men cry. Um, I mean, you saw me at Paleo FX. The first thing I did was step off the stage and yell at everybody. Right. You know, because <laughs> because it's like you know sometimes people just need to get on the get off the thing here. You know, and get going. So my mom says Fisher cut bait. So it's, you know, it's very, you have to know how to approach people. And yeah. I, I give people the information, they can take it or not. But I've had people come to me, I had a woman come to me, it was really funny because I was just leaving, I've only had two vacations in 13 years and I was just leaving for Italy. And this woman came in the day before I left and she'd had double mastectomy, um, 50 some rounds of chemo, uh, multiple amounts of radiation, all this stuff. And they still told her that she was going to die. And she said, Oh, I can't, you know, my son, I'm, my son needs me. I can't, you know, I can't leave. But they had told her that she didn't have very long left. And quite frankly, after talking to her, I wasn't sure if I would see her at her, you know, I set an appointment with her for a month and I wasn't sure if she would be there. Um, but, um, but she was, and she continues to be. And, Fast forward, and the reason that I stuck with her is because she wanted to keep swinging. You know, there are people that they just, they're ready to go and they don't want to deal with it and all of that. But she was like, no, I have to live. I don't have an option, mm. you know. So I got on her team and we kicked, you know, we ran with it, you know. And um, so fast forward five years later, I'm getting ready to go to Italy again to work this time. I get a phone call from the same woman the day before. I was like, oh, man, my blood froze, you know, I was like, oh, no, you know, and she calls me up, she's cracking up, and I said, what's going on with you? She said, oh, I slipped on ice and fell off the porch and had to be taken to the hospital, ha-ha, and she's laughing, and I'm like, girl, what is wrong with you? I said, you hit your head too hard, and I said, what, you know, <laughs> I said, what are, you, what are you giggling about? And she said that her oncologist that she had would never do another bone scan on her because she kept saying she wanted him to and he kept saying that no, you know, had nothing, nothing, so she couldn't get anything done. So she w had to go to the emergency room because they thought she'd broken something in her neck or hurt her back or something. And so they had no idea that she had ever had cancer. Mm. So when they did the x-rays on her, he's, the guy said, lady, you have the bones of a 30-year-old. It's like, you know, I can't believe you didn't break anything. And she was just <laughs> thrilled out of her mind because she finally knew what was going on with her bones, you know. Right. But, but these are the things. No, I don't BS these people. I don't. There's no point. If you want right. to come in and you want to get well, then do it. And if you don't, then don't. Excellent. And I wrote a, a chapter called The Mind and Healing in my book. And in, they're so together. I have never seen a person get well that didn't think they could. And I've never seen a person that thought they could get well stay sick. Mm. And I know that sounds like an overgeneralization, yeah. but it's very true. You know, there are people that are so mentally attached to illness, so emotionally attached yeah, to illness, yeah, 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 that yeah. no matter what they do, they will never be well. And there are other people like me, people come in and they cough, you know, or something on me and they go, oh, you know, stay away from me. And I say, no, I don't get sick. And I don't. Right. You know, and so and my, my, 
my impression is uh, your clients come to you for one or two reasons, either because they do believe in alternative medicine or because they're um, either sick and tired of the traditional Western-style medicine or they've been told they're going to die. Yeah. I get a lot of, uh, of a friend of mine who has also got a very dark sense of humor. She said that I should put in a pool at my office and call it the last resort because, um, <laughs> sorry, Mark, <laughs> because there's... And I have people come in all the time. I mean, I had a woman come in that had eight internal organs removed. And I was just very straight with her. I said, what, see, I said, I'm an, I understand that you're desperate and you're scared. And I said, but I'm a naturopath. And the only thing I can do is make your body work better. You know, the only thing I can do is make what you have work better. And you don't have anything left. You don't have the organs that it takes, you know, to, to regenerate your body. And so people have to, and part of that Nobias policy of mine, Elena, is, is that, you know, you, if people won't do what is called for, then you're not going to get well. There mm -hmm. is no pill. There's no magic pill. Yeah. There's no magic bullet. You know, and if you want to get well, then do it. Stop complaining about it and take the steps that are necessary and do it. And people come to me, like you said, because either they believe in natural medicine because they don't believe in Western medicine, even if they don't believe in natural medicine either, <laughs> you know, they're willing to take a shot or like you said, because they have lost complete hope. Mm, I call right. them the throwaways and I've taken a lot of throwaways in my life and I don't think any of them have regretted it. No. Right, right. I think I already know the answer to your answer to that, but I'll ask again uh, anyway. Um, I feel that we are living in an over-medicated world. Would you? Um, what's your opinion on that? Unbelievable. I, you know, I don't understand how medicine got to be the first option as opposed to the last option. Um, you, you know, if you look at um, when I started practice, I had a copy of the physician's desk reference, which is kept by pharmacists and stuff like that. And what it does is it talks about the medications, but it also lists all the side effects and all of those kinds of things. And it, that book had gotten to the point that they had to put it online because it could have crushed a small child if you'd have dropped it. I mean, it, this, this book is, is literally feet thick, okay? Right. And, and it's about the side effects and all of that. Um, people also, and, and here we go, everybody get ready to get mad at me, which happens all the time. Um, we just, people have gotten slacker lazy. They, they don't want to take care of anything. They, if they have a headache, they want to take a pill. They don't want right. to think to themselves, well, am I dehydrated? Mm. Did I eat the right. wrong food? Did I get enough sleep? You know, um, anything like that. It, it, oh, I have a stomachache. Oh, here, take a pill. You know, it, it, instead of fixing your diet, instead of putting the right grade of gasoline in the car, you know, which is right. people, you put the right grade of gas in your car, why don't you put the right grade of gas in your body? Yeah. People take better care of their car than they take care of their own body. It's yeah. crazy. Oh, are you kidding me? It's totally crazy. And in terms of the medication, too, again, they want to medicate every symptom that pops up. Mm. I recently read something about anxiety and, and depression and stuff like that in teenagers, and I'm like, that's what I thought being a teenager was. I mean, yeah. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, mean <we're, laughs> I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, that all teenagers, but it's, it used to be called a rite of passage. Yeah, it yeah. Was right. growing up, in that, other words. Uh, yeah. Right, as growing up. It's, yeah. You know, it's just like you, if you're a kid, you climb a tree, you fall out of the tree. Right. You know, my family, if I climbed a tree, I fell out of the tree. I'd go to my dad, I'm hurt. He's like, well, I'll teach you to climb trees better than won't it, you know? <laughs> right. You know, it was considered to be a learning experience. Yeah. And uh, now uh, everything is medicated. 
the 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 bad side of uh, the dark side of it is that you're turning these uh, kids with normal called uh, teenager anxiety into zombies when you medicate them. Yeah. And an unbelievable zombie. I mean, you, I work with tons and tons of these kids. And when, when you have a response time that is seconds long, you know, when you say, hi, Johnny, how you doing today? Fine. I mean, that's what I'm, you know, and they don't even realize it. They are walking zombies. Right. And now, if you look at this drug um, that they've been using for autism and anxiety, it's called Risperidol. It is, there's now a huge class action lawsuit because uh, the boys are growing breasts. Right, right. So, so let's, let's take a kid who feels out of step in mm. the first place. Yeah, and give him boobs. And give him yeah. boobs, give him yeah. man boobs. Yeah. Perfect. And, you know, that lawsuit is not going to fix that. No. Uh, you know, and people are not thinking before they medicate. And when people say to me all the time, well, is this covered by the FDA? Is this passed by this? Every single drug that's ever been taken off the market was first approved by that exact body. Yeah. And that's what yeah. people forget. You know, yes, we took, yes, they took Vioxx off the market. You know what? They approved it first. And they let a hundred and some thousand people die of heart problems before they took it back off again. Right. Don't get me started on the FDA. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> we are their greatest fans. Uh, well, one thing, one thing, and I don't know if it's a difficult subject to approach for you, but um, I have a strong belief there's a um, correlation between kids taking uh, those kind of psychotropic drugs and all the shooting and uh, that's going on around, you know, kids shooting other kids in schools and all that. I just wrote an article on that, actually, what the mass shooters have in common from this kid recently in Santa Barbara who it just came out, but I believe today that he was taking Xanax. Um, which is an anti-anxiety medication. Mm. Um, the Columbine people, Aurora, um, Sandy Hook, all of these people, uh, the Navy shipyards, all of them, they were all, all on psychotropic drugs. And I have an aunt that was a psychiatric nurse, a, a famous one, actually. And I asked her one time, and I said, why do you think that people commit suicide more often on antidepressants? I mean, if you're, if you're taking antidepressants, shouldn't that make you feel better? She said, she told me very you know, candidly, she said after her husband died, she took antidepressants. And she said one day she just woke up and went, you know what, I don't think I want to be here anymore. And so she looked into like killing herself. And she didn't think about, she said it, everybody in the world over the age of like, you know, 12, I think has had that little thought pop into the head from time to time, you know, that it might be easier to not be here, you know, when things get really hard. But then we think, oh, no way, I could never do that. That, that would kill my mom and dad or my kids or my wife or my husband or my sister or, you know whoever that'd be terrible I can't do that that's terrible she said when you're on antidepressants you don't think of the consequences no. you become completely right. selfish and only think of yourself the interesting part is that the, the press and um, everybody wants to blame guns but nobody ever mentions the drugs exactly and that and that is the common key the you know this this kid in Santa Barbara what a lot of people are not knowing is that he actually killed his roommates with a knife before he even took out with the guns so what do we do do we outlaw knives now you know the the number one murder weapon in the world is baseball bats you know and so people it is what we have to worry about is the people not not what it is that they happen to be holding in their hands um, this is why uh, what I'm doing the the diet that I work with with autistic children this, I'm also working it with adults who are dealing with these kinds of issues, anxieties and schizophrenia, bipolar. Mm. Um, we have so much more of it now. 
yeah. so yeah. much more of a no. Well, and the quick fix is instead yes. of working with it is just to take a pill. That's the power of marketing is that they've been brainwashed to believe by doctors and now advertising on TV that uh, a pill can fix anything. Well, I remember when Prozac came out, that was like in the 80s, and um, I remember everybody wanted to be on it. You know, they came out with a commercial and they said, oh, Prozac will make you feel better and, you know, the sun will be shining brighter. And everybody thought, oh, I could, I could feel a little better, you know. I mean, who really in this world doesn't think that they could be a little happier, you know. I mean, they better feel like they're in perfect happiness. So people started taking it. And then it turned everybody into these, you know, not only zombies, but people were gaining you know, 10, 20 pounds, typical weight gain on an antidepressant, um, killing your libido, uh, you know, all of that. I don't know about it, you, but if I'm depressed and then I get fat and lose my libido, that's not going to make me any happier. So I think a lot <laughs> no. of people, yeah, right, you know, so, but a lot of people tried that and then they, they started having the side effects of suicidal ideation and all of that. So they came out with another one. Ooh, here, don't take your Prozac anymore. Now you can have Paxil or Zoloft or, you know, and they started replacing it with all these other ones, trying to make it sound like they were any different. Um, and all it is is the same poison in a different wrapper. Mm-hmm. Right. And the most revolting part um, from my point of view is that because they're running out of patients with adults, now they're trying to put the kids on drugs. So if you have ADD, ADHD, or anything resembling... Uh, you know, being a lively kid that doesn't care about what the teacher says in school, they put them on Adderall or some kind of a similar drug and turns them into zombies. Like, mm. hello? Well, it, it also turns them into potential drug addicts, Elaine, which is a lot of people are not looking at. Because, okay, yeah. let's say, you know, here's, uh, here's uh, little Johnny and he's not sitting still and he's not focusing and he'd rather watch baseball than you know, than sit in his math class. So you stick him on Adderall, which is meth, basically. Mm. So um, your old mom and dad and the family doctor stick him on meth and then uh, at when he's 12. And then when he's 17 and he graduates from high school, they go, okay, Johnny, say no to drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny's well, a meth addict, buddy, and, and, that, and it was their fault. I have a friend who, same thing, he was put on uh, uh, ADD drugs when he was nine, and then after he graduated from high school, he was a cocaine addict for four years because he was used to being high. And it's very, very difficult when you've been medicated from that young of an age to, you know, I don't know if, I mean, a lot of people, the only thing, the only type of medication I've ever taken is like pain pills when I broke bones and stuff, and they make you feel weird. I mean... You know, that, and if you're used to feeling altered like that, then your life does not feel normal if you're not feeling altered. No. So we're not only yeah. taking these children and making them drug dependent and giving them side effects of these drugs, but we're also turning them uh, into a nation of drug addicts. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, and, you've got to think about it from the dear old drug manufacturer's side, though. You know, if, mm-hmm. if, they, if they can start people five years earlier, that's five years extra profits they get. Yeah. Plus well, they have a customer for life. Yeah. You know, and, and well, young, younger people are less likely to die than older people. I mean, I know, I know that sounds flippant. No, no, it sounds true. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's more an annoyance than anything else, that, that people can't just see the truth when it's poking them in the eye. Oh, I know. Um, I do a, a, a little parlor trick um, on one of my, in my lectures sometimes where I have people, I say, if anybody's on more than five drugs, raise your hand, which pretty much everybody is anymore. Um, and... Um, and then I say, okay, tell me which one you got on first, and I'll tell you what the rest of them are. 
and they say, okay, well, I started with this one, and I can tell them the progression because I know from experience what the side effects are and what drugs are prescribed for those side effects mm. on the drugs. If you start on one drug, you will not be on one drug because if you take a digestion medication and cause blood pressure causes blood sugar, blood sugar, you know. So if you get on one medication, you will be on more. Mm. Again, good for business. Very good for business. You can't yeah. say things like that, Alan. You can't say the truth like that. <laughs> no, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, well, notice that neither Mark or I raise a, uh, our hands when you ask us if we are taking drugs. No. Right. Yes. I, I haven't even well, seen a doctor for 35 years. So. Yeah, Same here. that sounds like sounds like me. Um, well, not quite 35, but close enough. Um, I am... Um, the, the thing is, is that the average now in the United States, I believe, is nine uh, per person. And that's, that's the average, okay? Wow. I, have, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of clients and family members and everybody else that aren't taking any. Yeah. So somebody's taking their nine. Mm. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've had people come in on over 20 prescription medications. Oh, wow. I mean, I've seen people take like up to 30 different supplements but I've never heard of somebody taking 20 medicines I think I my do. record was 22 I believe on medications and my record on supplements was 52 strangely enough wow yeah that's <laughs> wow yeah yeah I, I can't imagine I mean some people do, do you think I mean there's a there's a, a section in your book that I really find uh, fascinating is the the connection between mind and health so can you tell us about it? Well, there is a, a, such a direct correlation. Your, you know, a lot of people don't understand how much your your mind controls things. They they once again they want something else to be in control. They want to mm. be they want a pill to be in control or uh, the fact that they you know they can eat anything they want because they run you know or you know they want all of they want something to be in control besides themselves mm. and i have as i said before i have i have never seen a person who wanted to be sick get well i have ne i have never seen a person that wanted to be well get you know stay sick they might get sick but they don't stay there no and you can tell almost immediately who's who when they come in i've had people introduce themselves to me by their by their illness name I, I, I walk down to my, you know, thing. I come downstairs and walk out and I go, hi, I'm Shauna. And they go, I have Lyme's disease or, you know, I'm diabetic. Or, and I'm like, well, nice to meet you, diabetic. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> huh? wow. Yeah. And if you have the right attitude, then it, it is going to change everything. It's going to change the way that your body works. Um, you know, there's the Masuro Moto did this work a long time ago that I've always kind of looked at. Interestingly, he did stuff with water. And he, like, would talk to water, right? And they would freeze it and look at the different molecules. And I don't know what to think of it exactly. It's, it's interesting. Um, but I've thought about it a lot because our bodies are so much water that if you're standing there saying, oh, I'm sick and I'm, I hate life and, oh, nothing's ever going to change and, oh, I'm fat and, oh, you know, what are you doing to yourself? Talking yourself you know? into an early grave. Mm. Exactly. And, and you're talking yourself into misery prior to that early grave. Mm. And, and people are so paranoid, and it's not all their fault. Big Pharma particularly, and, and a lot of the medical industry has made us very paranoid. Um, I remember a long time ago, it was like mammograms, you know, people got them. It's like, oh, 
you know, if you get her a 50, you should have one once in a while. You know, and now it's like everybody that owns breasts should have them like every, you know, couple of months or something. And they make you so paranoid that something's just about to happen to you. Ooh, mm. the cancer rate is one in four. You know, this is, ooh, this is, you know, and, and they're, they're um, controlling people with fear. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you, you need to be very strong-minded to resist uh, their marketing uh, brainwashing, literally. And just the, just the word, I, I had a client come in that um, had been diagnosed with lung cancer. And every time I said the word cancer, she visibly, you know, jumped. And so I just kept saying it. And she said, finally yelled at me. And she goes, how many times are you going to say that? And I said, until you stop flinching. And I said, cancer is not a person. It's not an entity. It's a symptom. Mm. And, and when we figure out what is causing that symptom, then we will figure out what's going on. And I said, but you have to stop giving power to that word. Moving into the food side of things, uh, I see your uh, paleo diet follower. How did you get into the paleo diet? It's really kind of interesting because most people got into paleo because they had particular health problems or something like that. Um, I did not. I was starting to work with autism a lot and autism spectrum disorders. And I developed a diet called the Spectrum Balance Protocol. And what I realized is that there, it's, it involves an imbalance between iron and manganese. And I could not figure out why these kids were so low on iron. You know, why is these iron receptor sites just completely open? And I realized it wasn't a lack of iron in their diet. It was the, the phytate. You know, the, the uh, phytate is the covering that's on grain and the covering that's on legumes. And what the phytate does is as soon as you eat it, it wants to stay alive. Everything that is alive has an agenda, and it's usually to stay alive. The grain's agenda is that the deer comes along, eats the grain, and it goes through the deer undigested and plops out a new plant. And that's the grain's idea of how to stay alive. So what the phytate covering does is it is the defense mechanism for the grain. And it gets everything out of the way that could cause it to be digested and ergo killed in its mind. So it takes iron, calcium, magnesium, zinc, copper. And it chelates those minerals so that it can pass through the body undigested. So no matter how much iron, because I saw a lot of these kids who were taking massive amounts of iron supplements, even iron IVs, and it just wasn't sticking because they were eating breakfast cereal or they were eating bread or toast or, you know, they were eating these things that were chelating. When you look at kid foods, which disgusts me, um, you know, it's, all, it's like, you know, macaroni and cheese, uh, you know, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, you know, it's everything has a bun on it. Mm. You know, everything right. has, has bread on it, you know. Um, kids' cereals uh, are, you know, um, Cheerios, you know, or Fruit Loops or, you know, something with, with a lot of sugar and a lot of grains in them. And so I've had people actually come in and say, um, oh, my child only eats five things. And I'm like, oh, do tell, yeah. Um, and a toaster waffles, um, macaroni and cheese, rice, uh, pasta, and pancakes, and that's it. That's all the kid will eat. So everything and, is carbs. Yeah, and, and phytate. And so I'm like, well, and you expected your kid to be okay on that? You know, and it's interesting that your six-year-old is out at doing all the grocery shopping and cooking for the family. You know, when, whenever anybody says, my child won't eat this or won't do that, I think, well, how hard have you tried? Yeah. Um, you know, in my family, we had a thing, better luck next meal. <laughs> you know, I have, I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't to this day. And if Brussels sprouts were served, I could either not eat them or 
whatever because that was it. That was what was on the table, and that's what you yeah. ate. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and that's what kids do. If kids will eat the same thing that parents do if it's offered to them. Mm. It's just right. that people don't know what food is anymore. No. So, yeah. so I'm working this diet, and I'm trying to work this diet, and my sister-in-law says, well, you know, it's a paleo diet, so you could probably get a lot more recipes and things on the paleo sites. I'm like, okay, paleo, okay, you know. So I started investigating, and I came across um, Rob, Rob Wolf's book, uh, The Paleo Solution, and read that, and it made perfect sense because it was exactly what was going on with my kids, you know, how with the phytates and all of that. So I actually snuck through the back door of paleo. I, um, I was actually preaching a paleo diet before I knew the term. Mm. Um, the right. thing that's been very interesting about paleo, though, number one, it does help with recipes a lot um, for the spectrum balance because the spectrum balance recipes are extremely similar, uh, in some cases identical, you know, just with paleo recipes. And so that's been really helpful. But also the autism community has really rejected me. Um, autism is a massive gravy train of money. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and they do not want that gravy flow to stop. No, I mean, so, yeah. Alan and yeah. I were talking about that earlier. When do you, what yeah. was the, the annual expenditure on autism treatment? Yes, I, I, um, I should mention yeah. that. There's, there's an article this morning that I, uh, I picked on. A couple of studies done in England that's, that says that the annual cost per autistic patient is $2.4 million per patient per year. Mm-hmm. And I would and say that's for, for standard care, not for anything. Right, standard out. care, yeah, standard care, which, of course, they have no clue. And so they throw drugs at you and think that's going to stick, right? And mm-hmm. then um, so you have a total of $236 billion per year spent on autistic children uh, compared to, uh, or let me translate that in pounds sterling, is uh, $32 billion. And compared to that, the cost for cancer is 12 billion pounds and 8 billions for heart disease. So they're spending about three times as much per patient on an autistic child than they do on a, on a cancer patient or um, a heart attack uh, patient. So yeah. you're right. I mean, there's, it's a huge gravy train. And, uh, you know, obviously they latch on to this new trend, this new sickness. Well, the, uh, the autism um, treatment uh, protocols in general have very, very low bar. Um, and that's been one of the problems with people in the acceptance of my protocol is because I am not looking at help. I'm looking at eradication. Because mm-hmm. if, we, if we do not eradicate this syndrome, not only are we going to, um, I mean, there's, there's the human cost of autism, but there is also the financial cost of autism. And this is what makes first world countries into third world countries, you know, is the, the crashing financial burden. Mm. Uh, you know, if you look at a, a state like Arizona that wanted to help with autism, so they uh, offer some really fabulous services for people with autistic children. Well, everybody all over the country moved to Arizona to get this treatment, and then now Arizona's bankrupting because of it. Um, you know, there's, it, it is, is, like I said, it's a massive thing, and the, and the autism people are not interested at all. The paleo community uh, was the first group that I've ever spoken to. I've spoken to autism groups, autism parents groups, um, international doctors groups, um, behavioral specialist groups, um, uh, neural developmental groups, all of that. Paleo was the first group I spoke to that 
welcomed me with open arms and mm. said, we understand what you're talking about yeah. and we want to get behind you. Uh, Michelle and Keith Nor Norris from Paleo Effects have been like my mom and dad with this. They have just been the most fantastic people in helping me get this information out and helping me to get it. But as I said, the, with, with, um, with autism treatment uh, protocols, what, and one of the reasons they are so expensive is because they are working on making things better. They're not working. They have no expectation that anybody will ever recover. And so what they are based upon is making a person better. They make a child calmer. They, they make them to where they don't have meltdowns or they don't flap so much or they don't do that. But what do you do as these kids, you know, get older? Mm. For, for example, I have, a, I have a kid that I was working with, super neat guy. He's like, uh, I think, 20 when I started working with him. And he was sleeping with, he had to make himself a fortress of pillows and he slept with like knives under his pillow and stuff because he was so paranoid that somebody was going to come, you know, kill him all the time and all of that. And his mom said that she knew that he was going to have to live with them for the rest of his life. Yeah. And so she decided to go ahead and take a shot, you know, on this protocol just to see if there's anything he could do. And he now, after he was on the protocol for about a year, and it's been one, two, how old is Mark? 20, 20, uh, um, like three years now. He has a job, a girlfriend, and his own apartment. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, so this is taking not only the financial burden, he's now working and supporting himself. His parents are, his, you know, was able, actually able to have a life for mm. themselves. Right. Because very often, the people that are working in a family with autistic children cannot stop working even when the children are 30 or 40 years old because they have to keep supporting this, this autistic person. So yeah. the financial cost of it is high. The emotional cost, the divorce rate in, in um, special needs families is in the 80s, you know, 80s mm. percentile. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. You know, there, there's got to, there's, this has to be stopped. It has to be stopped. And it is a tsunami. It is a tidal wave. When I was um, in school, uh, which admittedly was a while back, but um, there was like two, I'm, I'm from California, so I went to massively large schools. And there would be like two or three maybe kids that were ASD of some kind, um, you know, or special needs of some kind that were in the right. entire school. And now, just in the nine years that I've been doing this, it has escalated to the point that it's now one in, what, 68 kids, one in 52 boys. Right, and, right. And, and on the alarming side of this, about three quarters of the people I work with have not been diagnosed. Right. Because they don't, they don't want to get into the sy system. Mm. You know, they have an obviously autistic child, but they don't want the diagnosis because they don't want to get into that system. Um, right. I have a client out in New Jersey who had to sue to get her child out of that system. They, they said that he was autistic, and he was when we started working with him, him and his sister both. And those kids are both perfectly fine right now. As a matter of fact, his sister just was chosen to spoke to Congress about special needs children. Um, she's, um, but anyway, they're both doing really well, but they wouldn't let him out of the autism programs. You know, they called his mother in a, a panic that she had to come down and pick him up. And she said, well, what did he do? What horrible thing has he done? Oh, he was talking to girls at recess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. And he, she said, oh, a 16-year-old talking to girls. Wow. I can see why I'm here, you know. But right. they, because he's special needs, that is a problem. 
Right. So, so he, they actually had to sue the school system in New Jersey to get him out of it. Yeah, once they stick the label on you, then uh, it's hard to uh, peel it off, uh, which mm. leads me to my next question. I know a lot of people have been blaming vaccines, which I, I agree to a certain extent that there might be a causation there, but the timing is just too convenient for to ignore. Uh, my feeling, and this may be a little out there, but my feeling is that there's a strong connection between GMO and ASD. Because GMO had been introduced in around 96, 97, mm -hmm. and you and I have been uh, seeing a, a huge expansion of kids with all sorts of health issues, including ASD, but also digestive issues, uh, you know, mental Excellent. issues, Excellent. and so on. So, mm -hmm. so do you believe there's a link between GMOs and ASD? I do. Um, I'm, I'm like you on the vaccines. I think that some, some autism is caused by vaccines. Um, uh, personally, I've seen more children with seizure disorders that were caused by vaccines than autism. Um, but that's just, you know, that's just me. That's just my practice. But I think that it's often the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, you know, people like things to be one thing, but usually it's more of a perfect storm, which is where the, the GMOs come in as well. One of the things that the GMOs have that a lot of people don't really understand is connection between the gut uh, bacteria and the GMOs mm. and the way that GMOs yeah. work in your gut. You know, as a naturopath, I'm always trying to get to the bottom of the problem and the base of the problem. And very, very, very often your gut is the base of the problem. Yes. You know, that because you're not getting absorption or you're not getting... But the GMOs, the many, many, many of them are killing the bacteria in the gut that's necessary yeah, to the be able bacteria. to... Yeah, to be able to digest and process your food and to keep your immune system healthy. Again, back to the, the, the paleo and all of that that we're looking at. A lot of people think paleo is, you know, whacking off a piece of a cow and chewing on it. Um, and, and that's, you know, really ridiculous. Um, what paleo is is about eating non-processed foods. Yeah. Uh, it, and the problem is when, when I started realizing how processed foods and the GMOs, of course, rampant in the processed foods. Yeah. Um, is because I would say to people, well, here's this diet and, and eat this food, eat this, a little bit of this food and don't eat this food at all. I mean, how hard is that? And they were calling me crying, you know, oh, I, I can't think of anything to eat. Uh, I'm like, well, give me a hamburger patty and broccoli. I mean, what, I, you know, I could not understand why this was so hard. And yeah. it's because they had not made anything for 10 years for this kid that they didn't rip a box top off first. Right, right. Or People don't know how to cook from scratch anymore. And uh, they are, you know, I've seen parents, actually, when I present them with a protocol, my own version of mm -hmm. what you would call a protocol, and they look at it horrified saying, well, I, I can, this is too hard. I can't cook. Yeah. I can't cook I don't. Much. And the other famous one, I don't eat any of these foods. And you're like, exactly. Mm. Right. Why do you think you're sick? You know, yeah. because like in your recipe, uh, we were always joking around because I'm a, a very good cook. I, in fact, it was touch and go between chef and um, and doctor for me because I, I really do love to cook. And we're always making, you know, great food. And uh, my boyfriend, goes, oh, I'm so sad. There's nothing to eat on this diet, you know, and we're always, you know, joking around about that. Um, because we eat such amazing food. And your recipes, I mean, come on, those are the most beautiful gourmet, you know, French. I mean, how could you possibly, you couldn't get anything that good in a restaurant. 
No, you know, I mean, uh, of what you're doing. And, and, and this is, and it's, and you're like, okay, put this into that and stir it. Yeah. I mean, really, seriously, how hard is this? <laughs> it's the stirring. Yeah. Now, so, do you stir it anti clockwise <laughs> or clockwise? You know, this is, this is the question. If you live in Australia, you have to turn anti clockwise. Right. Whatever. <laughs> so, are you, are you telling me you actually tried some of my recipes? Oh, absolutely. Some, especially the, I, I had to try the zucchini hummus right off the bat because there are very few things that I miss uh, being paleo, and but hummus was one of them. And so um, that immediately had to be done. The thing that people, and I do need to, to mention this and um, put a yellow highlighter over the top of this, um, is that a lot of problems that are working out that I noticed with my own spectrum balance protocol, but now that I'm noticing very heavily in the paleo community, is um, they're starting to rely on foods that aren't food still. You know, they used to eat, uh, you know, a muffin every morning for breakfast. And when they went paleo, they switched over to eggs or, you know, bacon or vegetables or something. And then, but they decide that they want the muffin. So they start making, you know, paleo muffins, which is kind of ludicrous just to talk about. But... Um, things that were originally designed to be treats, you know, like that you could use coconut flour, almond flour, something like that to create a birthday cake for a child or something, you know, on their birthday, are starting to become daily habits for people. And right. they're finding themselves not getting the benefit from the paleo diet that they should. Right. You shouldn't, I, what, I, what I always say on this is don't replace heroin with methadone. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to get off drugs, get off drugs. So if, mm. if you're going to stop eating a muffin every day and a sandwich for lunch, then don't make a paleo muffin in a paleo sandwich. You yeah, know, yeah, just right. change the way that you eat. Change your lifestyle. Change if, if you know, what do they say about, um, you know, d doing the same thing over over again and, and expecting it to change? Right. You can't. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's lunacy. Um, if you're not happy with how you feel or, or with, you know, what's going on or the fact that you have all these risk factors in your family or something like that, then change what you're doing. Don't yeah. substitute your old lifestyle with new ingredients. Actually, yeah, that's change like, what you're doing. I, I see that in uh, gluten-free patients. It's, uh, they move from one uh, crappy processed food to another version of a crappy processed food. Exactly. But uh, you want to hear something funny about my book? Please. People always ask me, how can you eat paleo in, in French? How can French food be paleo? It's like, hello, any food, any food can be paleo. I just happen to be French. You know, any food in the world can be paleo as long as you know what you're, you're doing. People say to me all the time, well, I can't, I can't eat paleo when I'm on the road, you know. Well, let me tell you what. My uh, boyfriend, Glenn, he went paleo, and he's one of those people that if he's going to do it, he's going to do it, you know. So he went 100% into it like his first day. He went, I think it was 130,000 miles on United Airlines last year. He was in Russia, Israel. Um, he travels all over the country. He was in, um, even harder to eat in in Moscow. He was in uh, Pikeville, Kentucky. Um, he was like doing all this and he stays paleo. Mm -hmm. And, I'll, you know, if you want, this is my big thing and this is probably going to be put on my um, tombstone. Um, <laughs> which will probably hit the earth before I do. Um, it, if you if you want to do something, you will find a way. And if you mm. don't want to do something, you will find an excuse. Right. And right. those things are nothing but excuses. 
right. can't eat paleo because it's more expensive. You know what? It's not as expensive as doctors. Have you priced cancer lately? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I tell my patients all the time and even my own son is like, I'd rather spend a lot of more money on good quality food that's going to make me feel good and keep me healthy than spend a lot of money on doctors and medicines later on. Yeah. Hello? Mm. Yeah. Right? I had somebody I had somebody just a few months ago and she says, you know, and she was actually, you know, whining um, about it, and she's like, "Oh, I can't do this. You know, I, it's so expensive, and we're gonna get it." And I'm just looking at her, you know, and and she, finally she says, "Well, you don't seem very, you know, sympathetic." And I said, "You smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you spend seven dollars a day on a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, right. and you're telling me that you can't afford non-processed food." Yeah, not to mention the $6 cappuccino at Starbucks and, and so on and so forth, right? Prioritize. Mm. Prioritize. Right. Yeah, choices. Yeah. It's, a, it's a matter of choices. Well, uh, let me ask you this other question. Can you tell us about your own progress with uh, curing kids uh, with autism? Well, first of all, I want to point out to um, the NSA and anybody else who might be listening that you're the one that said cure and not me. So, um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that, but you are. The The process on the Spectrum Diet has been very interesting. For one thing, um, several years ago, it started being people would call me up and say, my friend's sister's cousin's brother's uh, you know, babysitter gave me a copy of this diet. And it would be you know, two years old or something, and I'm continually updating it. Um, also, too, I started having people showing up saying, I'm on the Dr. Such-and-Such diet, which was my protocol. Um, so nobody actually wanted to work with me with the protocol, but they were willing to steal it. So I, um, I, I decided to put it out for free. Uh, my brother Doug and I started a not-for-profit corporation called the No Harm Foundation. And we have the Spectrum Diet loaded onto the website there for a free download. And to date, it has been downloaded in 67 countries. I had to look up some of the countries, which was kind of interesting. So mm. the progress in some of those areas, I will never meet the mass majority of people that are on this protocol because it is a free download. But I can tell you that in the people that I work with, the, the absolute worst thing that's ever happened is that nothing happened. You know, there's been some cases where, um, and these were phone appointments. So again, I never saw these people, but they said that they did the diet. Uh, and nothing happened, and we've had that happen a few times. But the kids were, were healthier anyway because at least they were eating non-processed food. But in the case when it is this iron and manganese, now if, if you go to noharmfoundation.org, you can see a lot of science there about the, what I call the Menifee syndrome. This is the Spectrum Balance Protocol is what I refer to as a targeted uh, paleo diet because not only is it paleo in the way that it's taking out the phytates and the grains and legumes, but it is targeted towards this iron and manganese imbalance that is causing the problem in the first place. When your manganese gets higher than your iron, you wind up with a lot of sensory overload. Um, light is too bright, sound is too loud, touch is too hard. Um, somebody says, please pass the salt, and you hear, you brat, I'm going to kill you. And it's, it's actually, they actually hear it. It's not they're not making it up. You know, a lot of times 
they say kids are, you know, big storytellers are liars and they're not. It's what they're actually hearing. So what this does is this targets that iron and manganese imbalance specifically. Um, Now, there have been a lot of people that have just gone to a regular straight paleo diet that have seen improvement in their ASD children, but they won't see the reversal until they reverse that iron and manganese imbalance. So a lot of foods that are targeted towards children, like blueberries, pineapple, coconut, um, you know, all of these kinds of things, those are all extremely, extremely high manganese. Okay. So if what a lot of people say they're doing is like they'll have yogurt with blueberries in it or something. Well, that sounds healthy, doesn't it? Well, yeah. un- unfortunately, it's also super loaded with manganese. Mm. Um, and when you add a slice of toast to that or a toaster waffle or a bran muffin or anything else, cereal, to that, then you've just chelated your iron. So the receptor sites in your brain that the iron and the manganese are supposed to share are now open for business. And if it has been shown in study after study after study that if there is no bioavailability of iron that the manganese will take the open sites. And manganese is one that crosses blood-brain barrier. Mm. So this goes the additional distance. The paleo diet takes what is chelating the iron out and that covers that part of it. But this then goes and targets and we take, we add tons of iron and, and not much uh, manganese or as mm. little manganese as possible. Now, let me be really clear to you that I've tried doing this with supplements and it doesn't work. Okay. What I, when I tell people that their iron and manganese is, is, you know, off balance, they try to give the kid a bunch of iron supplements. It doesn't work. The only way that you can reverse this thing is to go to the basic. And that is once again, what kind of fuel are we putting in the mm. tank? Yeah. Okay, and that's what it goes to. If you do not change their diet, it will not change. Also in the Spectrum Balance Protocol, a lot of people, I'm sure you guys have seen it and gotten sick of it, the 80 people that talk about their 80-20 paleo, you know, or, you know, oh, I'm paleo on Monday through Friday, but on the weekends I'm not, and, you know, that kind of stuff. If you do 99% accuracy on the Spectrum Balance Protocol, it won't work. If you do a hundred percent accuracy, then you are going to get resolved. Right. If you do ninety-nine, you will not. And I need to be completely clear about that. I have seen because people love to say, "Oh, a little bit won't hurt him." And mm-hmm. one of the worst offenders there are teachers and grandparents. Um, <laughs> I have had, mm-hmm. and sorry guys, but dads, because <laughs> I actually have dads that will sit there and eat you know, like toast and hold it in their kid's face and say, don't you wish you could have this? You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's really, it's you've, uh, unimaginable problems with this when you're just talking about diet. Um, but it's um, a lot of people, what will happen is the kids will be at school and somebody has a birthday party and there's cupcakes and the teacher doesn't want the child to have a meltdown. So they give them the cupcake. And I have seen a cupcake set back three months of hard work. A single cupcake. A single cupcake. And what people don't understand is that they say to me, well, I can't not let them have stuff. It's, it's their birthday. I mean, or, you know, it's Christmas. It's Halloween. It's, you know, whatever. You know, they, they need to be able to do this. And what they're not keeping their eye on is that if they don't give it to them this year, it's probably not going to matter by next year. Mm. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather, I mean, people talk about how inconvenient a diet is. Isn't having an autistic child having meltdowns or, or not being potty trained or not, whatever, isn't that inconvenient? Mm. You know, and so you inconvenience yourself for a while. You know, this this spectrum balance protocol generally is done 
depending on how well they do it and the age and the size and everything of the child and the severity of the situation, somewhere between three months and a year. I mean, it's not, this is not a forever thing, right. you know, although <laughs> I, have, I have clients that are doing it forever. I have a, a child that I worked with that was extremely, extremely severe. Um, he never had a shot. Poor kid was born um, syphilis and drug addicted, um, lots and lots of problems, but he had the, one of the most wonderful women in the world adopt him. And, um, but he was diagnosed with um, autism, um, ADHD, uh, bipolar disorder, or no, schizophrenia, uh, and oppositional defiance disorder. He was on six horrific drugs that were actually literally killing him. They had to take him off the drugs because his sugar numbers, his A1C numbers had gotten so bad. But he was pounding his head through drywall, hmm. and he was unable to even cross a threshold if the carpet changed because it was too much for him. Um, he had screaming nightmares almost every night of like rats crawling all over him and all this kind of stuff. Um, I actually have a video um, interview with his mom and him that I'm going to be posting on my, on my website, my Dr. Shawnee Young website this week. But anyway, so they just decided to just stay on the protocol forever because when you have a child that goes from that to um, the following Christmas, they sent me a video of him singing with the church choir and doing a stand-up comedy routine with another oh, child sweet. at church. Yeah. And he, he's been fine now for four years. And that kid was headed for a mental institution. Mm. There, he was six years old, and they decided the best thing for him to do was to be on a Thorazine drip in a mental institution. Right. And instead, he's just the cutest little crazy man you ever met. And he's, um, he's kind of a little poet. He, um, you'll excuse me if I <coughs> choke a couple of it here. Um, he uh, was so afraid that he couldn't go in the car or go into a dark garage. And a year later, his sister um, took him to Six Flags, uh, Magic Mountain, so that he could ride all the roller coasters and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he went on all the roller coasters and just had a great day. And she took him back to the hotel and she just tried to get him to eat. And he said that he couldn't eat because his stomach was too full of joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. You, you must be very proud. It's, it's so weird, Ellen, because I... I am very proud of the work that I do, and I love my kids, and, I, and I'm really happy for all of them. But this is the most frustrating thing I've ever done. I mean, I am doing this work, and, and all that people have to do is go on to my website, download it for free, and try it. And they won't because they don't want to give up bread. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't want to stop tearing a box top off. And yeah. they, they don't, and I think quite frankly, and again, controversy, I think a lot of people don't want to admit that their food has anything to do with anything because they want to continue eating whatever it is that they want to eat. You know, I, I saw something on a, a report the other day of people saying, you know, how ridiculous it is to think that, you know, food or GMOs or pesticides or anything, and the FDA has now put a new regulation out that they want to irradiate all the food so, that, you know, there's no chance yeah. of food poisoning. Of course, that takes right. all the nutrients out of it, but, you know, mm. um, minor detail. Um, and they, they want to believe that they can eat whatever they want. And if you put your child on this protocol and it reverses their situation, you now have to admit to yourself that food means something. Yeah. yeah. And that you yourself cannot continue to eat you know, your tons of sugar and to eat your bread and to eat your junk food and to eat your processed food and then claim, you know, oh my gosh, what do you mean I have heart problems? What do you mean I have cancer? Mm -hmm. You know, 
because all of those things, particularly cancer, is so preventable, you know, just with, with uh, nutrition. Yeah. And that's right. another one. You know, the American Cancer Institute takes in billions. You know, yeah, autism, yeah. Speak, the autism Speaks that I was mentioning before, they take in 50 billion. 50 billion. Wow. Yeah, yeah, not that. million. Yeah, and oh, the American yeah. Cancer Society, fifty, you know, brings in billions of dollars. And you know, yeah. one little teeny tiny fact that they've never mentioned to anybody is that if you're properly hydrated, then your risk of cancer drops exponentially. I mean, just hit, getting having enough water <laughs> in you will drop your bladder cancer rate <laughs> by forty nine percent. It drops the rate of breast cancer by like seventy eight percent. Just drinking wow. enough water. Why has the American Cancer Society never mentioned this to anyone? Well, because, you know, uh, I mean, unless, unless you're a water company, water, a bottle of water company, you don't make any money out of that, right? Well, that, that, that should be, that should be a good selling point water? for a good selling point for Perrier or Evian, right? Yeah. yeah. Drink yes. our water and, and, and don't get cancer, something like that. It's, you know, it's uh, there. Is somebody even was jokingly coming out with something called paleo water, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah. But that's you know, it's all part of that lifestyle because paleo, as I said, is not about chewing on a cow. You know, it is not about you know eating 15 pounds of bacon every morning. You know, it's not about it, all these people. You know, again, people like to make these, and it's certainly not about paleo brownies. Um, but, you know, people like to make these gross generalizations. Mm. But paleo is a lifestyle. Paleo is, and that's the thing I really am loving about paleo is that people, they're eating, they start out by eating clean, non-processed foods. And then they expand it out and they go, oh, I need to drink more water. You know, I need right. to have, be drinking water instead of iced tea or soda or something. And then they branch out a little more and they go, oh, I, I want to do some exercise that, my body can move naturally with, you know, mm. it's not so static, something that will make me strong and balanced as opposed to, you know, bug, big and buff, you know, mm. and then it expands a little further and they go, well, wait a second, my toothpaste has got junk in it. My underarm deodorant has junk in it, you know, right. my, and so now, I mean, when we were at Paleo FX, there were like five different companies now with, with toothpastes and deodorants and skin lotions and you know right. paleo is a lifestyle it's about living clean yeah yeah, yeah. You know, it's but, about taking but there's, there's uh, something i need to warn paleo people out there is that uh eating paleo is not the end all uh in itself if you're not paying attention to the quality of your food not just the type oh. of food the quality of food you can eat veggies all day long but they are, if they are sprayed with uh, chemicals all the time it's not going to do you a whole lot of good if you eat meat because you're paleo but your meat is coming from one of those commercial uh, you know, meat factories uh, it's not going to be good for you it's going to be loaded with genetically engineered ingredients so I'm in my new book some of you are aware already I focus on the GMO aspect of how it's hidden in almost everything you eat and it doesn't matter if you're vegetarian vegan paleo or anything like this if you if you eat the wrong quality of food there's still a chance you will not improve on any kind of diet yeah that is so true and especially as it comes to fruit um i find that i i if i can't get organic fruit someplace I just don't eat it because um, on your typical orange and that includes the orange juice that you're buying a carton of at the grocery store there'll be 15 16 17 different kinds of pesticides on it 
Right. You know, right. and and it just it negates the value. Now, I, I do want to say, number one, I want to say that I agree with you 100% on your food. Um, I have graduated to grass-fed, which is if I have to, I live in a small town, and so I have to actually order it on the Internet and have it, like, shipped to me, you know, it, it, to get the grass-fed. But it's, it's worth it. Um, you know, it, but I want to say to people, because I have a lot of people who started the Spectrum Balance Protocol, and I have a lot of clients that live, you know, in situations, trailer parks, very small towns, you know, um, a lot of people that have autistic children are on assisted incomes, you know, government incomes and stuff like that. And um, so they are all, all like, well, if it isn't organic and grass fed, is it still going to work? Now, it, yes, for your health, if you want to avoid all of the cancer, heart disease, diabetes, those kinds of problems, then yes, the organic and the grass fed is very important. In terms of the iron and manganese imbalance, it still works, even if it isn't. Mm. Um, I've had people that are living on, you know, $100 a month groceries, you know, for two parents and a kid, and they've still been able to, to reverse their, their mm. children. Okay. So I, I do want to make that clear. Okay. Yeah, thank you for clarifying this. Um, I do realize that you don't typically recommend supplements, but when you do, what kind of supplements do you recommend on your protocol? There's very, very, very few. And one thing is I'm not a big supplement person, and I really don't like vitamins because I think that a lot of autism and a lot of things like that have actually um, been kicked off by vitamin supplements that are you know, have so much manganese in them. Um, if you look at prenatals and stuff like that, a lot of them have an enormous amount of manganese. In mm -hmm. fact, anybody that's listening to this, if you're taking vitamins, go look and see how much manganese you're taking because you don't need supplement of manganese. And a lot of times people are taking three, four, five hundred percent of the daily requirement because they're taking multivitamins. Um, but I, what I am a demon on is enzymes because people like to talk about the fact that food does not have the nutrients in it that it did in the 1950s. And that's completely true. Mm. However, there are still nutrients in it. It's just that we don't have enough enzymes to get to it. Yeah. I mean, you could go out and graze on the lawn, you know, and you still wouldn't get enough enzymes because, you know, the... <laughs> You know, the, the, the soil, the water, the air, you know, we just, it's not supporting stuff the way it used to. So even if you eat nothing but raw food, you're still not getting enough enzymes. So um, I wanted some enzymes, but I couldn't find any that I liked. And so finally I put my own, um, my own formula together. And I guarantee you, you will not see any formula like this on the market. It is amazing. Um, they are, um, I do sell them on Amazon now. Um, and if you go to Amazon and just put in a sort of wellness, you'll pull up my Amazon store. But if you want to look at the blend of these enzymes, it is incredible. Uh, yeah. we've, got, we've got four or five different types of enzymes in it. So I suggest that. Now, the probiotics, we didn't need to be as specific on. I've seen any number of real good, decent probiotics work you know, with the kids, but that's a necessity. Um, and then I want to do either an enteric-coated omega so that it opens, you know, in the gut as opposed to in the stomach. The problem with um, fish oil supplements is that they get eaten up by your stomach acid pretty, uh, pretty well. Mm. So if you are going to take a fish oil, you want something that's enteric coated so that it opens in the intestine instead of the stomach. Um, the other thing I found, especially with people, not just children, but anybody who doesn't swallow pills well, uh, is using a pharmaceutical grade MCT oil. 
um, right. medium chain triglyceride. Okay. Um, right. And and we've had a real good success of of using those in people that don't like you said don't swallow pills well. Um, the MCT is more expensive, but if you know it it does it does work. So um, other than that, um, sometimes I recommend something for um, iron like spirulina. I don't actually recommend an iron supplement. I mm -hmm. recommend spirulina, which is a very natural source of iron. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I recommend vitamin C because um, that helps with iron absorption. Um, but I think that it is very, very important that we not overburden a person's gut or a person's um, immune system or a person's liver with too many supplements. Um, a lot of these kids have real compromised guts anyway. Yeah, as as yeah. Elaine was mentioning, it's not just autism; it's also diabetes, it's um, asthma, allergies, uh, eczema, all kinds of problems, and those come out of your gut. Mm. Right. And so, you, I just think that if you're doing the food uh, and you're doing the water, then you can get away very well with very, very few enzymes or very, very few supplements. Like I said, the enzymes I love because they help; they just push the whole process along, and you need either the omegas or the MCT. Mm. Um, right. and highly suggest a probiotic. But I, I had a, a woman one time that called me and she said, um, my child's taking, she was on um, a, a particular doctor's protocol. And um, she was taking, her daughter's taking like 23 supplements. And I said, how, how much does your daughter weigh? And she said, I, I don't, um, about, four, about 40 pounds. And I said, okay, how much do you weigh? And she laughed and she said, more like 140 pounds. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I said, and you don't, you, you know, what is, why don't you want to take her off this protocol of, of supplements? She said, well, she's so much calmer, you know, when she's on this protocol and I'm afraid to take her off. I said, tell you what, here's what I want you to do. Your daughter's 40 pounds, you're 140 pounds. I want you to take her supplements as recommended to her, exact same dose, everything for the next two days and then call me and tell me what's going on. And I said, just take them right along with her. And she was like, all right. So she called me up a couple days later, and I said, how do you feel? And she said, nauseous. Mm. And I said, yes. And I said, your child is not calm. Your child is nauseous. And I said, is that how you want your child to live her life? That, mm. she's made, that life is easier for you because she's afraid she's going to throw up at any moment. Yeah. And she said, that is not. So we took her off 23 supplements and put her on three. Right, right. Well, you'll be glad to know that uh, I made you a little richer by ordering uh, a bottle of your enzymes yesterday. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> They're actually so, like, becoming a top seller on, on Amazon. We're like uh, ooh, two or something like that. Look at you, see? You don't mm -hmm. have to worry about the future then. There you go. You did yeah. that in my book, and we're doing good. Now, the, the book also, my book is on Amazon as well, and, yeah. uh, and Barnes and & Noble online. Um, but it's doing uh, surprisingly well, being that I don't have, uh, you know, promotion on it. I had, uh, ran a promotion on it in um, February, and we downloaded 21,212 copies of the book. Excellent. Wow. You'll have to so. teach me how to do that. My books are not yeah. doing as well. <laughs> so no tell, us, tell us about your new book. You're working on your new book, right? I am. Um, I am working on, actually I'm working, I, I know this sounds a little overly ambitious, but I'm actually working on two books right at the moment. Um, the one that I'm working on specific to autism that is coming out uh, here not too long um, is um, 
there is a, a wonderful guy in, in paleo, his name is Joe Salama, and he wrote a book called um, The Paleo Miracle Book. And it was 50 people telling their stories about becoming paleo. So we're, I'm actually writing a miracle book uh, with Joe. We're, we're having um, paleo miracle, you know, autism or, or spectrum balance protocol that we're doing. Um, and what I'm doing is, like I said, I'm going through the case studies. We're writing a bunch of those up. And then we'll also have specifics as to how to do the diet and where to go for more information and uh, all of that. Um, it's so interesting to look back through these case studies. Half of them make me feel so fabulous and half of them break my heart. Um, I've had so many kids that did so well and then their parents decided that they didn't want to do it for one reason or another. Uh, you know, my, my, my husband says it's too expensive. Um, you know, we're traveling, we can't, you know, or um, I had one of the, one of the, the funny ones I had, I had a, a kid, he's uh, uh, seven, and I s told him that they didn't have to do the spectrum balance protocol anymore, that, that they could just go to a straight, you know, paleo diet. And he just panicked, he jumped up and he says, I can still have salmon and broccoli, right? <laughs> I can still have salmon, can I eat mangoes still? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure your mom will let you do that. And he's like, she's like, yeah, no problem. But we got a seven-year-old kid panicking that he can't eat salmon and, and broccoli, broccoli and mangoes. Yeah. And, That's and a then he has to go back itself. to macaroni and cheese. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We have a lot of those. You know, it's really funny, uh, Mark, is that we have a lot of kids, a lot, a lot, a lot of kids who eat spinach leaves out of a plastic bag like potato chips when they're yeah. on the program. Just walk around, you know, spooning them up. Yeah. Right. And then the other, the other one I'm working on is going to take longer because it's like, for one thing, it's super hard to write. And um, it's just about my experience with this because I, like I said, I was so naive. I thought that I would just tell the autism organizations and the doctors, you know, that this was completely reverse, reversible with food. And not only reversible, but avoidable. Mm. You know, if you get a woman eating this prenatally, you know what I mean? Then yep. we're talking right. a whole different ballgame, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and so I was like, oh, everybody will just go, great, thanks, you know, and, mm. and that'll be the end of that, you know, and that was what I thought. Um, and instead, it has been, I mean, I've been sp spied on. I've had people call the attorney general. I've had, you know, uh, it just frightening experiences mm. with this. Uh, and, and just as, like I said, when you start following the gravy train of, of autism, it's just an absolutely brutal mm. Uh, experience and so I, I I want people just like I'm talking to you guys right now, you know, very candidly. Um, I feel like I need to write a really candid thing so that people understand what's involved in autism. I um, <clears throat> one of the first groups I spoke with it was the Global Foundation for Integrative Medicine, and uh, I spoke on a Sunday and on Monday I get this call from this guy who says he's an autism expert and he has over 800 kids that he's working with, and he has me explain it and then he goes and this just changes them I mean they eat this for a few months and then you know that's that's it and I'm like yeah and he goes oh okay thanks and hangs up the phone and I'm like wait a second he didn't ask me for the diet he didn't ask you know I didn't give him a copy of it I didn't you know it's like wait a second how do I get this guy back on the phone you know mm. and that was like my first experience of what it was going to be like to work with autism specialists yeah. And yeah. I've, I've got um, Dr. I don't know if you know Dr. Andy McKay, but um, I did a podcast with him called Autism with Dr. Andy, and that's what he works with. And he got really, really excited about what I was doing. He went to all these autism people and said, this woman's doing this. Isn't this great? And they're like, no. <laughs> you know. So he's finally getting a taste of the 
disillusionment, you know, mm. that, uh, that I've gone through with this. But the thing that I have to look at is that this is mine. This was given to me. This was given to me, and I need to get it out to the world. Yeah. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I think I've, I've proven that. I've done it. I've given it away for free. Um, you know, I've counseled with it. I'm speaking about it. I've written books about it and a podcast about it. I've had to quit working because of it. I had to give up my livelihood um, because of it. But, but it has to get out. Yeah. It has to get out because we are not going to survive the tidal wave of autism spectrum disorders. This isn't just children. This is also bipolar schizophrenic adults. And how much has that gone up? Yeah. I mean, how many adults are on Xanax now? And, and, you know, Adderall and all these things. And who's going to run the country? You know, who is going to work and run industry? Who is going to be the painters and the poets and the, and the, the musicians? Who's going to, you know, keep our world? Who's going to make the scientific discoveries that we need to make? Mm. You know, if, if all of these, these kids and, and how are the parents ever going to have anything, any quality of their life if they've got 40 year old children living with them? Yeah. Uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it has to stop. And the only thing that we have in common, and this is what people keep missing. They keep saying, well, it's vaccines or GMOs or toxicities. And it is, it is all of those things. But the main thing it is, what do we all have in common? We all eat. Yeah. Mark, you live in France. Alain, you're in um, Texas. Austin, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm living on top of a mountaintop in Colorado. So yeah. we all have different levels of toxicity that are in our systems. Mm -hmm. We all have different levels of, of um, you know, the food that we eat and all those kind of things. But we all eat. And that's the only thing that all of us have in common. And if people want to find out why we're drowning in autism, then they have to go back to what they're eating. All of that, everything that we've spoken about today, it's fighting against two different things. It's fighting against the, the power of, of the dollar, that people make money out of, they make money out of drugs, they make money out of keeping people sick. Mm -hmm. But the other thing it's fighting on a personal level is that in essence, everything that we're doing is asking people to take responsibility. For themselves. For, them, for their own health, for the health of their children. And it seems to me that really, probably for the last 50 years or so, we've almost been trained as we've gone through school not to take responsibility, to find somebody else to make our decisions. If you don't feel well, you ask a doctor what's wrong with you. Pick them. You know. I'm the yeah. victim. Yeah. It's, I, 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 it's not that I'm, I'm, you know, have this illness. It's that this illness has me. Yeah. You know, it, it's not that I'm overweight. I can't help it. It doesn't matter what I eat. You know, it's, it's all excuse, excuse, excuse. Mm. But that's, know, and that's the outcome. Anything to take responsibility. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very sad. And, but if people, I would just ask people, if you can't do it for yourself, could you please do it for your child? Mm. Because people think that autism, they think, oh, the kids are fine, you know, it's okay, you know, they have these issues, but they're special and they're wonderful the way they are and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? That's not what the kids tell me. When the kids, they come to themselves, you know, and they have these discussions with me, they tell me that they live with horrific sensory input. They live in fear and paranoia, that they have nightmares constantly, mm. that they, they think less of themselves, they think everybody hates them, and they're living in a nightmare world 
of fear and paranoia. Your child is not covering their eyes because they're being a pill, okay? Mm. They're not, you know, yelling at you. It's because they're trying to block out sensory input for a second. Mm. They just want to be able to not feel overwhelmed just for a minute. Yeah. And if people would just understand that and, you know, and the, and the genius that is in these children that they are unable to express. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I have a kid that's doing rocket science stuff. I mean, I have a, a nine-year-old that is painting um, things that her mother took it to a gallery in Santa Fe and told him it was her work. And they said that he, they felt that she would be ready to sell in galleries within a year or so. And they were from her nine-year-old daughter who used to be autistic. I mean... I, I, like, I like the fact that you sound like they are your own kids. Yeah, it was funny. You know, I was, I was flying back from them. When I used to go to autism conventions, which I don't do anymore because it's like, forget it. Um, I was flying back from one one time and this woman sitting next to me said, oh, do you have any children? And I said, yeah, about 1,500 of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are my kids. I, you know, uh, people have asked me, they assume since I'm involved with autism that I have an autistic child or something. And I don't have any children at all because if I had children, I wouldn't have time to take care of everyone else's children. Yeah. Because I, I know what it takes to raise a good child, you know, I mean, my mom was home and, you know, there was just a, there's just a lot that goes into raising a good child. And I don't have time because I can't do this and that. Mm, and right. so this, this, was, this was my choice. So when people say, well, how do you know you don't have an autistic child? I say, you better be happy about that because I wouldn't be here to take care of yours if I did. Yeah. Have you noticed that there's an increase in depression amongst youngsters over the last, say, 10 years? Not only an increase in depression, but I think that there's also an isolation that is happening. And I think that the isolation is causing a lot of the depression. Mm -hmm. But um, I have not, just in the last, I would say maybe two years, I, I've seen a massive increase in young teenagers, um, mm -hmm. 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds that are horrifically depressed. Um, and I think that a lot of that comes from, and I don't know, here we go. Wait a second, let me get my old fogey hat and put it on for a moment. <laughs> um, this is my old fogeyism. People are not relating to each other like they used to. Mm. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we went to school and then we came home and then we went outside and played and then we came in and uh, did our homework and we had dinner and we watched a little television and we went to bed. You know, and that was kind of what happened. Mm. Um, I had a 15-year-old girl have a meltdown in my office that looked like something out of The Exorcist because her mom took her phone away from her for the half an hour that she was in my office. Mm. What I've noticed too, Mark, that's interesting, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but kids don't talk anymore. No. Um, when I was a teenager, um, I was expected to involve, engage in conversation when my parents had house guests over. And I called all the neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. something, you know, and, and, you know, and I called my teachers that, and I was expected to have conversations. Um, just especially in the last few years, I will have people like the, I'm just going to use that same girl I was just talking about with the phone. I said, so how you doing? Fine. Anything going on? No. Do you have any headaches, anything going on? No. And they just, they don't speak. Mm. And then her phone actually, her text went off and I said, oh, you can't have that in your hand while we're, you know, while we're working. And she had a screaming meltdown that, I mean, freaked me out. It was mm. bizarre. And so after I got done with her, she put her hand out, her mom handed her the phone and she walked out and I said, does that not frighten you? And she said, now nah, the kids are like that. Well. That's not a good point of reference. Uh, like yeah, kind of I mean, lemmings, you know. You know? Mm. 
I mean, I, I am an old foggy, so I'll, I'll say that proudly. <laughs> Uh, when I was a kid and we spent too much time in the house, my mom would kick us out. She'd say, go out, go out, go out and play. She made us go out and play, you know, and Absolutely. run and, and get into trouble once in a while, uh, you know, get scrapes and cuts and, and, you know, jump and, you know, play Indians and cowboys. And, and uh, we survive all of that without having uh, multiple helmets and and all those, you know, kind of things. Now, kids are overprotected, too. That's another issue. Um, they call it, they even have a term for it now. They call it helicopter moms. Hovering. Because oh, they're, right? con- they're constantly hovering. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know? Oh, wow. And, and that's, they even have a term for it. And I will have, I'll be on the phone, and the autistic kids are the poor kids. It's the worst. They, the, the, I'll be on the phone with a mom. And she's telling me what this kid's bowel movement looks like, and he's 15 years old. Now, can you imagine when you were 15, your mom walking in and looking at that before you flushed the toilet? You'd be mortified. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is also true that in alternative medicine, uh, looking at poop is, uh, is a good indication, right? Yeah, but... There's a time and a place. Thank you. You know, I mean, I, you know, I actually made some, I've made, well, probably many people mad because um, I have a a couple of kids that I I worked with that were adopted from another country. And um, they were both having ADD and ADHD type problems. So we got them on the protocol. We got them straightened out. In fact, one of them, cute little thing, he um, decided that he wants to be a chef now. Um, after, because being on the protocol, he learned about food and cooking and he loves it. And so now he wants to be a chef. So um, about a year or so after they were off the protocol and I hadn't heard from him, his mother called me and she said, well, we have to do something else because it didn't work, didn't work. And I said, what do you mean it didn't work? And I said, they're both, you know, fine. She said, yeah, but they're not getting A's. Wow. I said, I'm sorry. I said, there is no protocol or a pill or anything else in the world that's going to make a kid get an A, you know? And she's like, well, they just won't sit still and fold their hands. And I said, that's because they're 10 and 12. Mm. You know, if you have a 10, 10 year old that will sit down quietly and fold his hands instead of running outside and getting dirty, you have a problem. He's on and I said, Yeah. And I said, you don't have an autistic child. You have a 10 year old, you know? Yeah. Well, my, my, he wants to be a chef and my husband wants him to be a doctor. So what can we do? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, and, and it gets to be the, the expectation that a child will never even make noise. You know what, maybe you guys, when I went to school, there was a, this, there was a couple of people, there's one guy I can think of, and he never came out and played with us, because we used to play, I mean, I'm from Southern California, so, you know, it's, it's never cold there. So we were always, we were playing football, we were playing volleyball, or, you know, whatever we were doing all the time. He used to come home from school and make uh, models. You know, he would glue, like, monsters or ships or, like, cars or something, you know? And he was always coming home and, like, gluing models together and stuff like that. And we called him shy. Now they would call right. him autistic. Mm. Well, yeah, oh, introverted. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he's, yeah. he's also like he, he's like a software jillionaire now with Bikini. Yeah, yeah, so I think right. he's doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he was on the ASD somehow, somewhere. But uh, I mean, that's well, yeah, some, some of these genius, uh, what do they call it? Uh, something uh, savant. Savant, yeah. yeah. They, used to call, they used to say that the new 
but see, you couldn't call somebody a savant because that was not politically correct, and we all must be politically correct at all times. I so, so. Um, why? They're not. They're. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're too old all, for that. We don't care. I know. Me too. Um, they now call those people's Aspergers. If you look at, there's a television show on called The Big Bang Theory. And if you look at Sheldon, who's the main character in The Big Bang Theory, that, that is a high-function autistic, a high-function Asperger's person. Right. You know, he's, he's a brilliant genius. He's a physicist. But he has no social skills. And I remember one of the first times I ever saw that show, it just cracked me up because he was sitting in the, in the living room with a woman who likes him. And they were watching television. And he just goes, I'm tired. Good night. He just gets up and leaves. And she's just sitting there in the living room, you know. And that's such an Asperger's move, you yeah. know. So I found out what my problem is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was the only one. I'll send you a bill, Mark. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't call it a diagnosis. No, no, no. It's just a suggestion. <laughs> I would actually I'd like to mention No Harm Foundation again because it is uh, noharmfoundation.org. Mm -hmm. And what I would uh, highly suggest that people do if they're interested in this in the slightest bit is to go on there and you can get a free download of the diet yep. you just click the little button but I would really suggest that you read the science pages and that you especially read the testimonials because I think that people really need to understand and set the bar very 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 high mm. on this okay we are not talking about the kids being a little bit better this is not what we're talking about mm. And so people really, in order to look at autism protocols, they need to adjust their bar. Right. So they have right. greater expectations, in other words. Exactly. Have very high expectations. Yeah, ideal. So, I mean, that's, that's the, the No Harm Foundation. No um, Harm Foundation, okay. Dot org. Dot, dot org. Mm -hmm. and, and is that the best place for people to get hold of you for sort of... Uh, um, best place for people to know what I'm up to is um, actually my own uh, website, which is Dr. Dr. And then shaunayoung.com. Mm -hmm. And my, um, my name is S-H-A-U-N-A. Yeah. Um, but that is where I'm doing, um, posting all the podcasts and doing all of, you know, all of those things. Um, I am reachable through No Harm um, mm -hmm. without any problem. My office, Assertive Wellness Center in Durango, is still open, even though I'm not there all the time anymore. So there's lots of places to, to try and get a hold. But what I would suggest is... 99.9% .9 of the questions that you're going to have on the Spectrum Balance Protocol mm -hmm. are on the noharmfoundation.org website because I knew this day would come. Right. You know, they, they, they passed this bill in January, and my attorneys were trying to figure out a way around it because I have a PhD. Um, and we were trying to do all kinds of things, but we couldn't, we couldn't get around it. We knew this day was going to come. Mm. So I had to post as much information. Also, we have people, like I said, in countries that I have, I had to pull out the atlas to see where they were, you know, that are, that are downloading this protocol. So there had to be an enormous amount of information on it. Mm. There is a video available that you can buy for a charitable donation, mm -hmm. you know, about how to do the video. There is a video of myself and a um, neural developmentalist uh, named Linda Kane um, discussing issues with children that discussing video games and, and right. things like that. So there's, there's a huge amount of information available at noharm.org. And uh, if you're feeling super generous, then we would really appreciate you leaving a donation. Um, my organization, the money does not go to salaries. It goes to um, the kids that I work with. Okay, excellent. I'm going to ask a, 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 probably a sort of a foolish question, but I think it's an important one. 
<laughs> for somebody whose child has just been diagnosed with uh, autism or any any of those uh, or any of that broad spectrum of problems what's the first steps that they need to take the very ones i just gave you go to no harm download the diet get on it, giddy up, stop making excuses, just get on it, okay? The very worst thing I've ever seen happen is that nothing happened. Mm. That's the worst, okay? Now, what I would suggest people do is give it at least 90 days. Now, I will say that we usually see first, um, first response of some kind within the first two weeks. But, um, but I do suggest that people give it at least 90 days before they decide to you know, that it's not happening or that something else is happening. Because sometimes, and let me be clear that sometimes the difference, sometimes the response is bad. Mm. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of people that call me and they say, oh my gosh, you know, my kid who's been holed up in his room for, you know, two years came out and watched television with us tonight. You know, sometimes it's something like that. Um, sometimes it's they, they start to babble or start to talk a little bit or they start to do things. Um, I had a child that spontaneously potty trained over two days. Um, you know, sometimes it's stuff like that. But uh, sometimes it's that the children get into screaming meltdowns that are completely uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a friend. Uh, his name's Joe Dispenza, and he's one of the world's experts on neural transmitters and all of that. And I asked him <clears throat> one time, I said, Joe, why do these kids, and usually it's right around six weeks for some reason, I said, why do these kids to have these, like, extreme meltdowns or do these, I mean, what, you know, and he just laughed at me, and he says, because change is hard. Mm. You know, right. and he said, when whatever <coughs> we get... We get addicted to whatever chemicals we're producing in our body. So if you are used to living in fear, paranoia, and all that kind of stuff, then you'd think it would be an easy thing to not be fearful anymore, that you'd just be happy about it. Yeah. But the fact is, is it's change. And the older the child is, the harder it's going to be to change. I had one of my, one of my favorite ones was a little kid because he was only a year old. And his mom said that he just came out mad. You know, he wouldn't breastfeed, he wouldn't cuddle, he wouldn't, he was always screaming, you know, uh, he wouldn't even babble, you know, just, he just was mad from the minute he came out. So um, we put him on this, and in a month, he went, he started um, talking, he started saying, Dada, Mama, in like um, a week. Um, he started crawling, and then right after that, started walking. And he just was like a totally 100% different child. And because he had no connection and no, you know, if, if you have, um, if you're, let's say you're seven years old, and every time you want a cookie, you have a screaming meltdown and your mom gives you a cookie, then you have a positive reinforcement for that mm. bad behavior. Yeah, mm. right. Um, there's, also, there's also a case to be made that if these kids have leaky gut syndrome, some of those proteins are actually highly addictive to, to them. And if you take that yeah. away, they will, they will scream murder. Um, Linda Kane, who's, a, like I said, a neurodevelopmentalist I work with, she said, if you want to know the difference between an addiction and, you know, they call it stims, how the kids want to stimulate themselves, flapping or doing whatever they do, grinding their teeth, mm -hmm. they call it stims. She said, if you want to know the difference between a habit and a stim or an addiction, take it away from them. She said, if a, if a child is playing with a toy and you want to know if it's a stim, take it away. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not, they'll just forget about it. And if it is, they will absolutely melt down. Mm. And so there's, there's very easy ways to tell that. But, that's, but again, working with the little, little kids is fun because they don't have any you know, addiction to how they've acted. They don't, 
it, you know, as an adult, it's like you think to yourself, every time that stupid car commercial comes on, it makes me grind my teeth. You know, it just, every time I see this stupid thing or every time somebody says, but it's too hard, you know, mm. I have like this thing where I want to slap them, you know, and we get into these particular habits. But two and three year olds don't have that, you know, so they can go from being one way on Monday and being a different way on Tuesday and they don't have any problem with that. Mm. And so the ones that they've taken away from me, the under two year olds are actually the most fun because they have no, they just change. Mm. And also, and they don't have to be diagnosed. I want people to understand that. If your child is anxious, depressed, tired, not sleeping well, having nightmares, um, not focused, not listening well, misbehaving, try it. Mm. Just, just give it a, just give it a whirl. Unlike some famous brand says, just do it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Shona, for spending time with us. And uh, you gave us a lot of good information. And Yeah. I would. Um, I love talking to you guys because I love a spirited conversation. And um, you guys have are the right, I mean, to me, asking all the right questions and trying to honestly get information out to your, out to your listeners, whether it's PC or not. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean it's it, it's the information that's key, um, and we we think that people deserve the best and the right information. Yeah, they should. anything, they should. any, anytime, anytime. Well, thank Thanks. you again, uh, Dr. Shana, and um, all of you for listening, and uh, Mark, of course, for being my partner in crime. And à votre santé, à bientôt. Thanks again, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll see you again. Thank you.